This is another episode of On the Grid by Z Prime. Love your energy. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Z Prime On the Grid. I'm Dylan Lockwood. And today on the show, we have Salesforce's Vice President of Digital Transformation and Strategy, Frank Palacy. Frank, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good, Dylan. Thank you for that introduction. Looking forward to the to the interview today. Should be fun. Yeah, we're here to talk about uh, we're here to talk about digital transformation, which is uh, a topic we've hit uh, numerous times on the show. But I sort of want to uh, progress that conversation uh, beyond just uh, making it a talking point, rather than just like, well, it's important because I think you know people who listen to this show are pretty pretty clear on the fact that digital transformation is a central point among utilities discussing the future of their business but you know discussion and practice are very different so what are some of the key obstacles to optimizing uh, digital transformation across the industry from from your perspective sure well thanks dylan for the question and and i just want to share with with your audience is you're really going to get a practitioner's answer because clearly from my background I've, I've done a lot of digital transformations, both in a waterfall model and in an agile model. So you're going to get my perspective on what I believe the obstacles are. And I think they center around really two different areas. One is this area, what I call digital readiness. Some people may be for more familiar with the term digital maturity. I like the term digital readiness because to me, it implies getting ready and taking a journey. And that's really what we're going to be talking about as I, I get more into the digital readiness conversation. And then, uh, you know, the idea of digital transformation planning, which is necessary. These two things put together really help drive success for your digital transformation. And, and digital readiness, let me just get into that just a little bit. What I mean by that is there's really these areas that I think are important for an organization to, to address. The first is your, your cultural transformation. It, it, it's necessary, I believe, to have some really important leadership styles in your organization, such as empowering people, executives really practicing servant leadership. Uh, this, to me, breeds the collaboration and trust you need to allow you to, be, to experiment and go after a customer-centric orientation. The other thing is your executive messaging, making sure that you're on point and people are clear about what the values of the digital transformation are. And then program leadership. And that's all about, for me, is how IT and the business are actually cooperating and working together. And organization, how you structure the digital transformation in the organization so that basically it gets the resources necessary to be successful. And then finally, that culminates in allowing you to build your digital strategy. If you think about digital transformation planning, once, we, once we're able to have the digital readiness in full operation or going along that journey, really what we're gonna be is customer-centric, build that journeys. This is what people normally hear. You build the journeys, map the capabilities, ensuring that you, you hit your CX, functional, non-functional capabilities in a value-based plan. And the key is as you're executing is to learn in at least two dimensions. One is the strategic dimension so that you could take the tactical learnings uh, of execution and your business priorities to shift and also ensure that you're adjusting based on your tactical learnings. So to me, these two areas together, Dylan, are, are necessary to actually have a successful digital transformation 
no matter what industry you're in. Frank, that's, that's interesting. Um, one thing you said at the beginning there that uh, I was just hoping you could clarify was you said there was a waterfall model and an agile model and you have perspectives on both of those. Uh, can you clarify what, what those means and mean in terms of digital transformation? Sure. Um, I'll start with the waterfall is an older traditional model, uh, but there, uh, as I was practicing and doing, uh, really trying to understand at the time when, when we were doing it, it wasn't called digital transformation, but really it was trying to enable our strategy to execution. In the waterfall model, it was trying to develop that that planning and execution model, and trying to break things up and executing in an iterative way, so that basically you wouldn't wait a full year or two years, which is typical in the waterfall process, uh, if you will, to get value. So if you think about it, I was really doing fast waterfall uh, is what they call it. And that's what kind of I was practicing. Fast forward into the agile model. I think the agile model becomes much more interesting because it really, and really the this digital readiness becomes more impactful because in order to do agile successfully and get out of that fast waterfall model, you really got to develop the cultural side of the organization, which was which I was talking about, which is really this kind of empowerment and servant leadership. These are the basis really of of allowing you to do agile and do it well, uh, because at the at, at really what you need to develop is this collaboration and trust uh, that allows people to be willing to take chances, experiment and really drive value into your digital transformation. So what you're saying is don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> That's right. Avoid that uh, at, 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 at all costs. <laughs> so uh, from your perspective, what is the difference between updating an organization and actually being an innovator? Every organization that you'll probably talk to, either they'll say they're an innovative organization or that's what they're striving to be. And the key, uh, and I think it revolves about how, how you update the organization, which is really what we just talked about, which is this cultural leadership. If you think about it, you really have to build collaboration and trust in an organization. And the way you do that is, in my view, is through the culture, changing the culture. Because think about it, if you don't empower people and you don't help people be successful, what is the willingness of those folks to really wanna collaborate and trust and really go out and do this common phrase that you hear, fail quickly, learn, do it cheaply, you know, and come to market, right? That's what innovators wanna do. They wanna experiment. Well, if you're not in a safe organization that practices this collaboration and trust, that's not gonna happen. And in a hierarchical organization, you typically will not, will not see that. So that's why it's really hard in this hierarchical models to be innovative because it's top down. Really what we're looking for is we're looking to, to establish and empower people to drive, if you will, success within the confines of the organizational strategic objective. So, you know, we're talking about culture changes and one of the biggest culture changes over the past um, decade has been a move. I mean, even the past like three years has been a move towards uh, customer centricity, putting the customer at, at the center of um, strate strategizing and operational decisions. So why are digital models inexorably tied to customer centricity? Because these, you know, these phenomena are happening at the same time. 
if you look at why these digital models are tied to customer centricity, I think all you have to really look at is Uber and you look at Amazon and, and what they do is they're really putting the customer at the center of the universe and trying to satisfy their needs. The digital models help you facilitate that. And, and let me be more clear what I mean by what the digital model is. So there's a model as you're, you're trying to breed life into being customer centric. Let me, let me share with you what I think that means. One is certainly what, what Uber and Amazon do extremely well is they understand the customer persona. They understand the needs of the customer, both from a functional, social, emotional level. And then what they try to do, which I think is really important, is they match products and services to the customer. What I call that is the customer value proposition. By establishing that value proposition, now what we are able to do and what these companies do so well is they take you on this journey and it's a digital journey. It, it really starts to capture, if you will, those capabilities that I was talking about before. Uh, and by, by taking those capabilities and, and putting in value, we're really focused on generating value to the customer. Uh, and that's what it's all about. That's what digital models try to do. That's what Uber and Amazon do extremely well. And I think they're good representations of really a customer centric model in a digital world. I definitely think that's true. One thing you might hear on, on the other side of that uh, from some legacy minded people, let's say, is uh, that like, well, Uber and Amazon have to, you know, compete with direct competitors in the marketplace. Like if you don't like the way that Uber set up their system, then you can go to Lyft. And so they, you know, have to fight, they have to fight for customers. Whereas a regulated utility is a monopoly and, and therefore it doesn't. So why, why is it, I, I know this is, this is, you know, this is a bit of a leading question because this is, people say these kinds of things all the time, but it's always worth repeating. Why is it important to center the customer even when you're not having to directly compete for them? Well, I, I think there's two things. One is that competition comes in many forms, right? So if you look at from a regulation standpoint, it's really important to breed customer satisfaction and customer satisfaction or a positive NPS really does have an effect on your revenue. And if you think about these customer centric models, they actually make the customer happier to deal with you. So at that level, if you're in a purely regulated model, uh, it helps you with that. The other thing you look at is outside of the regulatory model, look at all the things that are happening with, with electric cars. Uh, you know, if you think about these co competitive forces that really are outside the marketplace, in both, you, you really want to make sure that you're addressing the customer needs so that you can have a presence in the customer's life. You really want to get more wallet share out of the customer. So while you're, while you're establishing, if you think about it, uh, you know, your customer centric model and you're improving your satisfaction, what you also want to do ultimately is increase the wallet share from the customer. So what other products and services as a utility can you provide to the customer to drive that value? The only way you're going to do that is if you understand your customer. Where do you see utilities uh, failing to execute on customer centricity? So I, I think if you look at, if we could just step back from that, where are they failing? And I think they're failing due to their own historical nature, right? So if you think about what they try to do, they're really trying to really focus on the operational concerns of the enterprise, right? So how do you, what do I mean by that? Well, the first thing you're going to want to do is you want to cut costs. The other thing you want to do is improve your operational efficiency. 
these only touch really the customer tangentially, right? They're not really focused on the customer. They're focused on the business operations of the utility. So that's what they're focused on. So they're not really focused on, let's put the customer at the center of this. So really what, we come, what it comes down to is they got to change the mindset to focus on the customer, not these operational concerns. Because if you just focus on cost cutting, what that's going to really lead to is just a technology discussion. Invariably, you're not going to really change your business models. So what will happen is you will shift the old model with all that DNA that, that, that it was developed around and you will put it into the new platform. Why you don't see utilities being successful at focusing on the customer is really because of this mindset that they've developed over years, which is really operational cost cutting and operational uh, functional utilities, right, for the customer. Yeah, and also I, I, I think part of that cultural shift is thinking about providing for the customer beyond just reliability. Not that reliability isn't important it's still the key thing that will stop you from getting complaints if you if you're if the power doesn't go out but i do think there is such a focus on reliability as the end all be all of customer service that um it it that this notion of customer centricity uh beyond just be beyond just being reliable is a cultural shift that is i think still needing to take place oh, absolutely so you know, if you, if you think about reliability, you think about uh, clarity in your bill, you think about being able to pay your bill, scheduling a service, these are all important items. I'm not suggesting by being customer focused that you don't need to do those things. But what I'm saying is those in and of itself, if you do that really well, that's not necessarily being customer centric. Customer centric is really understanding the needs of the customers and it will weave those things into that journey. So those things are important, but they're important of how they get represented to the customer as you're taking them on this journey in this new digital model. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so, um, you know, sort of broadening the scope a bit again, uh, where, you know, where are some common pitfalls in execution of uh, transitioning to these digital models? How can utilities avoid some of the, some of the common traps? Well, I'm going to probably take you back to my discussion really on digital readiness, uh, because I think the breakdown, number one, usually comes uh, in developing what that digital transformation strategy is and then breaking it down into execution. The problem is if you don't change your mindset, and I've seen it over and over again in multiple industries, what people will tend to do is they'll tend to take their existing business model. Now keep in mind that existing business model is tied down with a lot of that technical debt. So if you think about it, the business models are kind of weaved with what the, the business would like to do and what the business really has limitations around the techn technical environment. Those two things get combined to create how you do it today. What kind of disappears are those technical uh, limitations and what's left is how you do it. So think about shifting that and just putting it into these modern digital platforms, which are based on being customer centric and a list of capabilities. The odds of you actually making a match with that is gonna be very difficult and will lead to very high customization in, in those, digital, those modern digital platforms, 
which will lead to people having missed expectations and view the digital transformation as not being successful. So this is why I focus on digital readiness and that change of mindset, because by focusing on the culture, your executive involvement, how you lead a program, how you're organized, this allows us to be customer centric. It allows us to focus on new business outcomes, which ultimately allows us to do a business transformation. Now we have a shot at 80-20, 70-30, you might argue, of getting that new model into a digital platform, which will now breed what we're looking for. It'll enable being customer centric. It'll enable agility. And ultimately, what we want to be able to do is as business models need to change, we want to be able to adjust with them quickly. By doing this, that'll allow you to do it. Yeah, I, I definitely want to get into that aspect of, you know, strategy versus execution or, uh, to, or you know, strategy versus versus tactics, as I like to as I like to say, um, you know, the idea that like you know, a strategy wins a war, a tactic tactics win battles, and you need but you need both. Um, you need your supply you need your supply lines, and you also need your maneuvers. Um, I've been watching a lot of documentaries during the pandemic, uh, so um, yeah. As part of that, as part of that cultural transformation, you know, it, it's definitely not enough to you know just have a plan. You need to execute. But I guess we can start at the very fundamental area. How have there been uh, fa- failures to execute on the plan, and and how do you change the thinking so that you can avoid those and actually deliver your promises? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because one of the passions for me uh, throughout my career is uh, how do you take strategy and actually, you know, put it into execution? In fact, I started my career as an executor, right, in trying to to just deliver on capabilities for the business. And oftentimes what, what the problem is, you're giving this strategy and it's and you'll hear this uh, from a, a person who executes fundamentally i have a strategy but the strategy is useless to me it's so high level it doesn't tell me how to do anything all right so now what i got is this high level view the kind of this picture and they're asking me well go do that and so what typically happens and i see it over and over again the strategy gets kind of parked on the shelf and the executors start delivering on what they interpret uh, that model to be. And this is why you you heard me. So that's the fundamental problem. And so then the executor has just way too much latitude to actually deliver on the strategy. The strategy sits on the shelf. They they deliver. And then basically the business says, this is not what I want. This you've totally missed what I what I needed. And there's that that's why there's this gulf. And what I what I guess I'm claiming is that Digital readiness allows us to basically try to uh, manage, excuse me, uh, I'll say that over again. Digital readiness allows us to manage that divide between strategy and execution. Because what it's, what it's doing is it's, it's, it's breeding this cooperative working arrangement with the business and IT. And as we're moving through that program, that's going to be very critical. In fact, I think that's one of the most important things that the business needs to lead this, IT needs to influence it. And together they need to develop that, that plan that I was talking about. So we have to be able to take that strategy and really breed a digital transformation plan and break it down 
into what I'll call capabilities. And that's what you'll hear me, what I said before, is that you have to take the strategy and ultimately when you develop the strategy, it's customer centric, you followed all those models that I said, which is really breeding the customer value proposition. And now you created that journey, that high level picture. Now what we have to do is break down the CX capabilities. What do we think those are? As we have those engagements on that journey, and when we do that, that's going to come to functional business process capabilities. How are those two things get united? And in detail, we have to go through not only level with a common term and process, we got to go to level one, level two, level three, and features. That's what the plan has got to lay out. And then it also has to lay out the technical capabilities, the non-functional capabilities that need to be developed in those really those way, I, I like to call them waves, which are just those nine to 12 week increments that are, incre that are executing those MVPs. When you do that, now what you're able to do is the, the developer is gonna look at that and they're gonna be able to pull uh, off their, their backlog and create those stories in cooperation with the business because they're part of that program. Now what we do, we execute nine to 12 weeks, we have kind of a phased increment review, and now let's understand what our learnings are. Like you said, the tactical learnings of execution, we bring it back up to the strategic focus. Do our objectives need to change? Has the business shifted? And then what we do is we reiterate the plan. So we're learning strategically and tactically. That's why I like what you said before. I think it's actually a blend of strategy and execution working in conjunction and in some kind of orchestration to deliver. So hopefully uh, that helps answer the question. No, it does. I mean, and obviously, you know, if this problem was, you know, was solvable with a 30 minute podcast, then the problem would have been solved already. So, you know, there's, you know, there's obviously like a lot of um, unique organizational challenges, regulatory challenges, uh, fi obviously financial challenges in involved. But um, I think a lot of what you said is um, very appealing to utility executives and that it involves uh, delegation and partnership and like very clear metrics, um, which are, you know, the cornerstones of a good, of a good business plan. I, I agree, Dylan. That's why, you know, I don't, what I kind of said in the beginning, you know, that this is a journey. It's not a light switch, right? So you're not just going to turn this on and everything's just going to go well. This is really what you're doing is you're changing the very nature of how you work. And so everything that you just said about regulatory issues, about organizational issues, those things are not just going to change overnight. But the fact is, if you're focused on them and willing to take the journey in doing that, it'll allow you to help you move to a successful digital transformation. And you're going to have, and the business and IT need to work together to move down that road. Otherwise, uh, one can't be leading and the other just following because that usually breeds some animosity into the program. And then you don't get the success you need. Uh, yeah, and I think, um, and you know, not to not to get us off on a whole new topic, but I, I do think uh, part of organizational change uh, and organizational cultural change, part of that uh, comes in the the staff makeup too. If you're able to get um, you know more di more digitally minded young professionals in, in in your utility, they'll be able to help you along with the process, um, even if they're not the ones that are ultimately making the, the the highest level decisions at this moment in time. 
No, I totally agree. I think your whole talent management and your your uh, recruiting of talent is, is absolutely important to be successful here, uh, because you're you're really changing the organization. So when you change an organization, what what made you successful before and those skill sets that made you successful before, some of them will obviously still be necessary, but you're going to need a whole new set of skill sets to actually execute in this digital transformation and really going digital uh, for sure. Uh, so I agree totally with that. Any final thoughts to on changing utility culture on uh, or on digital readiness? You know, as being a practitioner, you know, execution gets blamed a lot for the failure of digital transformation. And I really don't think that's the case. In fact, what I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I don't know if people will agree with me, but I really fundamentally believe execution is really the problem. And if it is the problem, I think that's the easiest thing to fix. It's usually how you develop your strategy, how the organization is working together to do that, and how, how the organization breaks that strategy down into execution uh, that leads to success. Because usually what happens is you execute, like I said, it's high-level strategy, you execute that. And then what people say, you missed expectations, therefore execution has failed. It kind of masks this, this issue of moving from that strategy to execution. And I think the reason why digital readiness is so important is because it helps to solve that problem. And that's really what I, I'm trying to address uh, through, through my discussion of digital readiness. And then once we have that, moving to really these digital transformation plans that allow us to learn and modify as we go along is the key. Yeah, you don't just execute on your strategy, you have to strategize your execution. That's correct. I, I, I think it's good to have that next step. It's like, okay, so, but why are things like not going at the pace that we want? Like, why are things being, why are things being missed and how do we avoid that? And but yeah, that's where that, that's where the cultural thing, like the, like the idea that, yeah, you're, 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 you're doing a new thing, but you're, if you're doing it through the lens, you know, through the, through the lens of the old, of the old systems, then, and the old incentives, then you're not going to build the right system for customer centricity, um, which is how these models work. Like you said, if you just like look at any other industry that, that did this 10 years ago. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, I, I, that's why I think all, that's why I think all of that's important and like worth reminding people because that's not like, it, it, it hasn't penetrated into the minds of the people that need to hear it yet. Uh, when you move from that waterfall model to this uh, agile model, you almost, what you're thinking about, and this is why I think, you know, what you said about the skill level is really important. What it does is it, 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 it really takes what you were used to and how you control the environment and it turns it on its ear, right? So... So now all of a sudden the things you're used to on how to drive an organization are totally different. So it's more yeah. of this empathetic. It's more of, you know, how do I, how do I help you do and not how are you helping me? Yeah, right? exactly. The, 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 you know, the, the rate payer to the customer as it transformation as it were. And it's really, it's a hard, some executives can't make the shift. They just can't do it. They, they, you know, they, they feel insecure when they do it. Uh, and I've seen that and you just, and then that person becomes in the way. And if they're in a, in a high enough position, being in the way can stop things. <laughs> yeah. It can, it can really, 
it can really slow a lot of things down. And like what, what can be frustrating about that is that it is that that will like that'll infect the entire organization too. Totally. And, and this is why, you know, people look at, I love the term innovator, you know, when they say I want to be innovators, but yet there's no trust in the organization and nobody can collaborate. Well, yeah. you tell me, how are you going to be an innovator in that environment? Yeah. You can't be an innovator and a follower. I mean, yeah. you, an innovator is by necessity a leader. And, and how often are you right the first time? Mm-hmm. Very exactly. Rare. So if you don't allow me to at least experiment and, and try to figure that stuff out and allow me to fail, and I'm not saying like mega failure, I'm talking about, you know, I fail a little bit, I learn and I adjust. If yeah. you don't allow that, how, how do you do this? I, I, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. So this is why I came up with this model and saying, if you're going to do it, make sure you pay attention to this because otherwise you can't do a digital transformation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, it, and it, you know what? It it all it maybe and maybe this is just like I, I've just got some recency bias from the from the Texas thing. But to me, a, a good lesson to learn from that is that like one of the worst things you can one of the worst things for you like PR wise if you're a utility is to look like you're not trying. Um, like if you you know if you're able to say okay, so there were billing errors this there are billing errors this month because this new like this new like system we were onboarding wasn't as interoperable with our other systems and like we're we're, we're fixing that like that that look that'll look bad but what'll look even worse is like if uh, is if a legacy system just like breaks down because it's too old and you were too stubborn to like to update it because you're don't have a digital good digital transformation strategy yeah, no, totally. Well, you know, what, what you reminded me of, too, is just the whole power failure thing in Texas, where, you know, mm-hmm. you had uh, wind power, you know, we're talking about being reliable. Mm-hmm. That's why I was suggesting. It's not that you don't do those things. Yeah. Okay? But you do them in conjunction with focusing on the customer. So if you focus on the customer, what, what's important? Well, reliability of getting the power to the customer is probably an important thing. And if it yeah. goes badly what do I do to make sure that the customer's needs are satisfied? So, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, so that's kind of, you know, it's not one or the other is in my point. No, exactly. When I say reliability, I, I am talking about it on the whole, talking about it on the whole, but like, I think where the, the tunnel vision can come in is the idea that you want to keep um, outages in their entirety to an absolute minimum at all times, which is, a, which is, a, which is a noble goal. Um, but like you really, really don't want to have a, a, a catastrophic statewide failure, like what happened in Texas, because, you know, yeah, they're talking about customer centricity, customers really don't like it when they don't have power for weeks and they're freezing to death. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that re- yeah, reliability is at the core of it. But if all you think you're doing is like, okay, so we're gonna make sure we don't have an, we're, you know, we're gonna make sure we don't have an, any out or we don't have any outages this month, so we're not gonna update anything that might require us to take some, to take systems down or have like rolling blackouts while we or, or brownouts while we onboard a system, then like that can that is kind of, that's kind of short my uh, short term thinking. Um, you know, not that not that any of those decisions are kind of easy, and not that necessarily that is the decision you have to make. But 
I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that there are ways to be customer centric and ways to uh, provide more to the customer if you actually have that mindset. And if all you're thinking about is just reliability, then that is indicative that you're not actually focused on customer centricity. You're focused on operations. That's correct. And and that and that that was the point I was trying to make that if that's your focus, you touch the customer obviously because of what you just said, right? The customer wants reliable power, but that doesn't mean because you touch the customer on a tangential basis that you're focused on the customer. It's a it's a lot of language, but that's you know how what strategies are made of. It, strategies are made of like clear um, language that is indicative of the goals. And, and and that's why it's hard to execute because you're you're we're speaking a language, right? We're we're describing something that's like a whiteboard, right? I draw a bunch of pictures. You get somebody who's a tactical executioner. They execute for a living. They're tactical and they execute. <laughs> a picture is not gonna help them go from point A to point B. They need more. And that's why you see these strategies, and it's it's funny. They spend millions on this strategy, and, and where is it? It winds up sitting in an executive office, and it doesn't get implemented because it doesn't get broken down to a, a mechanism to be implemented, right? So uh, it's, it's an interesting, uh, interesting model. You can't do that because it's like sort of broadcasting a failure, but if businesses, like you said, were just less afraid to fail um, in, in, small, in small ways, or, like, or even if they fail in big ways to like, talk about it and learn from them, then that would help everybody. But there are incentives not to do that. Oh, totally. And, and you know what we're talking about, collaboration and trust? Say you're the business, I'm IT. You don't trust me. And what you look at me, and the reason why you want everything done in one release, right? The reason why you want that, because typically I miss your expectation. So if you don't give me everything you know right now, I feel you're never going to deliver it. And so that because we don't have that trust, we want our MVP doesn't become minimal viable product. It becomes maximum viable product. And, and we can't deliver that. So we almost set ourselves up right from the beginning that we're not going to meet expectation. And, and the other thing is nobody wants black swan failure, which means basically total object failure. What we're talking about is if we're implementing incrementally, we can afford a miss, right? There's no, there's no harm in that, and it's not blame. Let's figure out why we miss and adjust. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this thing called the cone of uncertainty. So, so think about a cone being the widest at the front, and then it comes down narrow. The cone of uncertainty really is an academic exercise. That, and this is why Agile is supposedly, if you think about that, why Agile works. In the beginning, it's probably the worst time you could ask me, Frank, come up with a design, know everything there is to know about my problem, and let's go do that. Because it's when I know the least, right? So think about how unrealistic that really is. You're asking me to do the most when I know the least. But what do we do? We do that. The reason why waterfall fails is because we never make adjustments during that process. And that's why when we deliver, we miss. What Agile is trying to do is saying, as I'm executing these MVPs and I may learn and may fail, I'm going to make those adjustments. And what I do is I drop down into the cone of uncertainty to basically hit expectation. That's why this works. 
But if I don't trust you and I can't work with you, guess what? That model doesn't work. That's why I come back to culture is important. Right. Well, uh, Frank, thanks for being on here and talking about uh, talking about digital readiness. Um, really, uh, really, learned, really learned a lot. Great discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. I enjoyed it. And for our listeners, uh, you can find our research in media, in, including uh, an upcoming paper with Salesforce uh, on digital readiness uh, at zprime.com. You can find us on... You can find me on social media at DY Lockwood. You can find Z Prime at Z Prime underscore research. My name is Dylan and we'll see you all next time.